In this week's episode of High Shelf Gaming, we bring a dear friend of mine, Mitch, onto the show. Mitch has been running a game at his work, at his office, for the last year, which is really cool to me, and we're going to talk about how he got it set up, how he maintains it, not only from a game perspective, but also just from a work politic perspective. It's a really cool story, and I hope that anybody who can take use of some lessons learned here, please do so. It's such a cool concept, and I love that he's doing it. With that... We'll get started. You are listening to High Shelf Gaming. This is a show where we talk about board games and role-playing games and gaming conventions. If this is what you're looking for, please keep listening. You can always find us on our website, Facebook group, Facebook page, or on Twitter and Twitch and Discord, all under the name High Shelf Gaming. Super easy to join the community, and we look forward to meeting you. Hey everyone, David Gillespie here with High Shelf Gaming, and as always, I'm joined by the eloquent Rich Wisniewski. Dave, I think you don't know the definition of that word. <laughs> Just FYI. I might I think, have. <laughs> I think all of our guests in Europe, and even those in the Americas, might agree. Guests, all of our dear listeners, not guests, yeah. but all of our dear listeners in those locales, um, we are a big fan favorite of Eastern Europe. I know people use us to learn English, so eloquent <laughs> is going to stand. And we're just going to move forward with that and know that it's a lie. Yeah, I might be reaching uh, deeper into my bucket of words. and uh, <laughs> That's right. How, to... many, how many episodes have we done now? Um, this will be 64, 65, something like that. Fuck, bro. I didn't think we were going to get past 10. <laughs> Here we are. Wow. <laughs> Six times better than we ever thought. <laughs> Six times better. If only okay. my Tinder dates went that well. Okay, I'm sorry. <laughs> Indeed. Um, joining us today is our good friend and buddy for a long, from a long time ago, Mitch. Welcome to the show, man. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. It's finally happening. Yeah, I know. We've been talking forever. Yay. Mitch, give a sense for our audience the kind of gamer you are, like maybe a bit of your background or what kind of games you're into. Uh, that kind of thing. Sure. I'm an all-around gamer, I guess would be a good term. I have been playing video games since the ripe age of two. Um, Beautiful. Board gaming since my fifth Thanksgiving when my family introduced me to Monopoly. Ah, uh, um, yes, the, the, the family destroyer. <laughs> it is, it did is they, now did banned. Did they introduce you with all the crazy rules to like free parking and all that jazz? Or were they like cutthroat capitalists? Oh, I'm taking it was your property. cutthroat. Money was thrown, names were thrown. Like <laughs> my father was called a slumlord on multiple occasions. Yes. Like eventually, it got to a point where Monopoly was banned, and now the family plays Rummy Cube at Thanksgiving. I was gonna say invite me, but no, not now. I was gonna say yeah. I want to be there, but go on. I'm yeah. sorry, I got us off. Yeah. No, you're fine. No, Monopoly is is a horror story in my home. Uh, but a uh, big board gamer, and then role playing games. I've been role playing since. I was told I was no longer allowed to play pretend. So my friends and I would pass journals <laughs> back and forth in junior high, RPing with each other. Yes. Um, oh my God. Like, okay, now hold up folks. If you are of a certain age, you might not 
You might think of this as play by post. Nah, dog, that was play by note. That's OG. <laughs> like, yes. That's OG play by post. Yeah, we had we had composition notebooks where you would during class when you had downtime, or if you didn't want to pay attention at all, you'd write out your RP part, and then you'd see your friend uh, in passing and hand them the notebook, and then wait till they got it back to you. So, oh my God, rue the day some yeah. jock found that notebook and I mean, was truly. like. <laughs> And then literally Truly. I'm running around campus going, don't hurt me, don't hurt me. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then after that started falling into forum RP. I was on the live journal RP during its good old days. Oh, yeah. And finally started doing tabletop gaming because of you, David. You were the first person to pull me into it. Are you serious? Aww. Yeah. Well, okay. I take it back. There was one game I played, but it went terribly. But you were the person that actually pulled me into tabletop gaming so yes! or tabletop rpg yes oh my god you have no <laughs> idea how happy that makes me you know i almost heard this same story with dave one time about sex too <laughs> well that's that's for another episode yeah. yes <laughs> a different First time podcast terrible but dave you saved me for the rest of my life i don't i uh, moving on <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm but, getting um, edited. Was, Dear listeners, the... I think I'm getting edited on that no, one. No, I think that stays in. Oh, but Mitch, what was the first game I ran for you? It was that first uh, Five Rings game that we did. <gasps> Whoa! Um, you went I, right into the deep end, dude, with The Legend of the Five Rings. I did. I, I had started with 4th Edition with a game that a friend wanted to play, sure. who I loved desperately, but he was not a great DM. And we were a bunch of murder hobos that were hijacking the story he wanted to tell. So. Yeah, yeah. Um, There's yeah, a word we do not use enough in life. Murder yeah. hobos. Murder hobos. <laughs> you know, I, it's because gaming is so popular now and D&D is so popular and the phrase murder hobo is like kind of into parlance now. Mm-hmm. I really can't wait for the day that some, some newscaster is like, and then they murder hoboed all over the scene. It's like, <laughs> I just can't wait for it to be dropped in pop popular you know uh discussion this is audi mawaji talking about murder hobos today (laughs) (laughs) exactly exactly yeah so that was man oh that was so such a fun game it was it was a great game level of commitment was there that's the that's the thing about a good game is when the players are fully committed and and uh just in and by, by God, how many years ago was that? Because we're 15 minutes into this episode and we still don't know everything about Mitch. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? That was uh, five, six years ago? Seven? I, okay. I think it was seven years ago. It was a while back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I have since been DMing for about four or five years now. Seven yeah. years. I yeah, and you're, and you're doing D&D. What other role-playing games are you, are you doing? I've done D&D 4th and 5th edition. Um, I, for a brief second, did a mini podcast with some friends, basically exploring tabletop games that were not popular, um, just for fun. And how'd the podcast do? I gotta ask. (laughs) We did great. We got through our first session, and then that was about it. Uh, It was about five episodes. We had done Magical Burst, which is a magical girl tabletop game. Yes! Yes! It's very in the vein of Sailor Moon, but more based uh, on Madoka Magica. I have so, to play this game now. <laughs> it is free online. I will send you the PDFs. It is an amazing game. Beautiful. So that was the one session that we did. Um, it was super fun, but it kind of kind of failed. But I've got a lot of books that I've picked up at half price. <laughs> you know, like, okay, podcast biz, biz aside, 
like there is so much effort that goes into making a thing mm-hmm. and then like you're on a nice edge the entire time like one misclick and the entire episode is deleted <laughs> and you're like yes. wait no <laughs> no come back to me episode so and we we had a great producer she was our friend's sister-in-law who worked at the at KERA which is the NPR affiliate in Dallas so she like knew what she was doing with Adi Mawaji I love exactly. NPR down here <laughs> yes uh, but she uh well it was right before I started traveling for work but when I started traveling, doing the podcast got a lot harder to do. So sure, yeah, no, absolutely, absolutely. Well, cool. And uh, uh, and now that we're ten minutes into this, what are we talking <laughs> about today? What's our topic? D and D at work, um, which is my favorite thing. I I loudly declared to my coworkers that we were going to start a D and D game, and now I have ten players, and we've been playing for wow. a year. Okay, now a that's year? two topics. You're kidding that... me. Yep. That is awesome. Like one, the idea of playing D and D at work is like a pipe dream to me. I would love to play D and D at work after work or something like that. Have mm-hmm. a have a gaming crew from my job, and that you have one is really intriguing to me. So you just like stood up one day on the table and was like, "Hear me, fellow, you know, beekeepers or whatever it is your job is." <laughs> <laughs> so I work at an educational software company that is growing rapidly. So. Um we have a lot of people that are younger, you know, um, that are in their thirties, late twenties. And we kind of formed a little friend circle. And then it turned out that everyone was a huge nerd. Um, and when I brought up the fact that I played D and D and that I liked to do D and D, they all were kind of like, can we do that? And I was like, well, why the fuck not? Let's do it. So, um, it started, were they all like new to D and D or were they all like experienced? What was, what, what, what were you working with? Three of my players were experienced, and then the other three had never played before. Gotcha. Wow. And it's grown since then to 10. Yes, we've had four other new players who've never played before <sighs> that, as they heard that we were playing D&D, asked if they'd be able to join. Uh, one of the people had already played a game. The other three had not. Well, it, that's always how it goes. Like, somebody plays it once or twice, yeah. and it's like, eh... And it takes them a while to find something that's stable. I played with my brother's yep. friends in the basement one time, and then... Yep. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and um, it has grown massively um, into 10 people. We just had a game yesterday, actually, where they had to fight their... <laughs> I don't want to get into the minutia of the game, but they are fighting oh, come an on. Tell, tell us right about now. your paladin. That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. No, they are they are currently defending a Kenku temple um, from a oncoming orcish onslaught. So they've just finished their third wave of orcs, yes. and there are more to come. Yes, David. I'm sorry. Yes. Did you want to hear about my 15th level druid paladin? Bart? I did. <laughs> oh, okay, that's what I thought so you said. There's a cool little aside to this. Because you have started your D&D game at work, which we def- I want to get more into how you set this up and, and all sure. that stuff. Just, dear listener, because he has done this, Mitch is a longtime friend of mine. You know, we've been gaming together for a long time. I said, hey, I need an artist to help us make some stuff. And one of Mitch's players in his game is oh. actually our artist for all no. of our T-shirts. Yes. And let me tell you about my 15th level Druid Paladin is one of the shirts he's working on. So full circle, everything's <laughs> awesome. <laughs> and it's amazing because, and this is something I hope that most people can get to experience, is since my job is an education company, we also do medical education. So, and just... Uh, you know, lots of different educational products, but we have a huge art department. And so one, two, three, four, five of my players are artists. So three of them are medical illustrators. So they do very 
detail. That's one of the people doing the shirts, uh, my yes. great friend, Amy, and they just, I'll turn over at the session and be like, oh, you just drew the T-Rex I was talking about, like, perfectly. That's cool, I guess. I mean, whatever. Oh um, my God. No, six of them are artists, sorry. And one of them in our one year session, they have an item that allows them to summon dragons if they take time with it. And they had summoned <laughs> this beautiful bronze dragon. I mean, and the one of the guys had sketched him out beautifully. And the second he had finished it and turned it to show it to it to me, I killed the dragon. So. <laughs> <laughs> he was like oh but i just drew him and i was like oh i'm so sorry but he disintegrated so <laughs> i felt terrible he spent like with, an hour with, drawing it with art comes tragedy um. yes <laughs> but it is it is really cool to because since they're all such talented artists it is great to get to see them actually draw the game as we're playing oh my god that's amazing yeah. to me that's amazing yeah. like you know uh, all types of folks come to D and D, and to have a table with an artist is is a real treat for a lot of gamers. To have a table with so many artists is mm -hmm. really pretty amazing, dude. Like that yep. is freaking awesome. Our Secret Santa was full of art, and I mean, it was it was phenomenal. They are they are insane. I draw stick figures of my characters on my sheet, and I'm like, look, he's a wizard. I put a pointy hat on him. Like, <laughs> And they're like, oh, Mitch. <laughs> yeah, they're like, oh, that's so cute. Here is a full illustrated painted picture I drew of my character. And so like, you start talking about something, all of a sudden they hold a picture up. And I mean, they're like, like this? And you're like, yeah. dude, seriously, two minutes? You drew that? It's dude, that has annoying. to be kick-ass though sometimes. I have one of the illustrators. He will, he will get on the dry erase board in the conference room we use and start like storyboarding the game as okay. playing it. Yeah, it's insane. You're walking into my question, which was going to be, one of my, my thoughts on this was, okay, is this work approved? I mean, I was wondering if you were like going to a pub down the street or whether it was like, we're actually going to use work resources by being in a space with lights on, you know, not that there was much many other resources you need. What happened there? I mean, I guess I can go into the minutia of like how I set it all up and how yes. everything yeah. worked. So in the beginning, um, I had been hosting board game nights in the office. Oh. So after work, we would pick a night, I would bring games in, and we would just play board games. Beautiful. Everybody right now is at home feverishly writing down these steps. One, introduce a family board game night. <laughs> Two, <Yes>. introduce German <laughs> board games. Three, <laughs> introduce D&D. I mean, that is kind of what we did. We started with party games. So I would bring in like, you know, uh, words with friends. Apples with apples. Friends. Scrabble. That's what that's yeah. called. Words with friends. <laughs> <laughs> Scrabble. You know, Scrabble. <laughs> and all the other weird party games that I have, Exploding Kittens, like oh, those yeah. Oh, yeah. Blockers, style games. All that stuff. Yeah. yeah. All that kind of stuff. And then you start being like, hey, have you heard of Betrayal? Super fun. Like, start mm. with those type of cooperative games, Ticket to Ride. Like, I slowly started bringing things in. And then I brought Talisman. Yes. And that yes. that was yes. kind of the, like, determining, hey, maybe we should, maybe we should um, d and Yeah. Yeah. People are like, yeah. I want to get and this on my character. And, and ladies and gentlemen, when Mitch says he brings in Talisman, he doesn't mean he brings in the base game. Mitch has like all of the expansions. I do. You've got the you've got the replacement centerpiece because of the mm -hmm. three dragon or the whatever other one, and you got the town and the thing and the, like your talisman yep. board is big. Like you need the conference table to mm -hmm. fit the talisman. Man, how long yep, was I have that all four session? corners? 
so listen, I don't like bring when I'm like, hey, let's play Talisman. I don't bring every single expansion. Sure. I bring all the characters, and then I'll bring like one or two expansions. Okay. Just yeah, you can't you can't give away the whole no. the whole show. You gotta you gotta. Teach okay, that. so so when, yeah. when were you running these events? Like, was it on Wednesdays after work? Obviously, not during lunch. No, uh, well, actually, we did do a lunch game. Um, I would bring in games and leave them in the in the lunch area. Ooh, um, like little bits of crap want to play games during lunch. Yeah, and you would, I would figure Just out sprinkling the, it on. <laughs> the, the shorter games, so games like Dixit yeah. or um, Love Letter, really short games that can be played in 15, 20 minutes. Our CEO actually came in during one of our Dixit games and started playing with us, and that was... Well, he... I, I, he didn't really play with us. He kind of just took someone's hand and was like, I'm playing now. And everyone was like, <laughs> okay. And everyone's um, like, magically, you won. Wow. Yeah, exactly. Um, oh, man, what a CEO power move. Like, just, Exactly. Just, oh, my God. All right, yeah, yeah. Things that would never uh, happen in my house, but clearly happen at work. Yeah, it's the CEO. It's a, it's a totalitarian dictatorship. It's not a democracy. He wants the cards. <laughs> Give them to him. So, yeah, so I started doing that. And, and uh, we would pick a random night of the week that, you know, I wasn't busy or, you know, oh, we're going to do it on Wednesday. And I would send out a calendar invite. Our, our company uses G Suite. So just send sure. out a Google calendar invite. And then when D&D started, we planted a character session building night. We ordered pizza and just went into one, the only conference room we had at our old office and just played there. And we started, you know, once a week, we would figure out what day everyone could play, when we'd play. Yeah. Uh, then and, we moved into a much bigger office, and so we had much bigger conference rooms to play in. And, hmm. and I got to imagine that board game night started as a one-hour, two-hour thing. Yeah. And then and then you brought in more interesting games. So it got into like a two-and-a-half, three-hour, mm-hmm. four-hour. You, like, you slowly expand yep. your window of time at the office until it's like, well, we might as well just play d d It's like four exactly. or five hours now. Like, let's just do this. Yeah, it's 10 p.m. What are we doing? Let's just play d d And did you like, really yes. need to move to a bigger office? Or did everyone just start saying you needed to move for a bigger conference room? <laughs> <laughs> well, we only had two conference rooms at the time. Now we have eight See? plus a bunch Ooh. of smaller, taller rooms. But our company has grown from 30 people to 170. So we needed a bigger office. <laughs> and dude, I tell you what, those chairs in all the conference rooms are always comfortable. What a oh, great yeah. time. You got all this room around. You got good lighting. You got good yeah. HVAC. Giant ray, dry erase boards. Oh, giant dry oh, yeah. Oh yeah, and our here's the other thing. I mean, this is again. I I have a great office and I work for a great company, but we have glass tables <gasps> on those tables. Ooh. We have TVs and projectors in every single office. Ooh. We have speakers built in, so I've got my ambient music playing Ooh. all over the room. Oh, like it is, man. it's legit. That is awesome. Okay, so so AV production on point, super mm-hmm. great. What about supplies? I know that some of the rooms come with a lot of stuff, but as a DM or as a player, like, do you keep books at office with like a DM Ooh, screen and all that stuff? Or I don't. I uh, because I am a D and D fiend, and I'm in three games right now, including my work one. I can't leave my books at the office. I need them, <laughs> so um, I have a huge backpack that I squeeze everything into. Yes. So before I leave for work, like my laptop moves out of that bag into another bag. And then that backpack gets filled with every single book and the maps, the dry erase markers and the dry erase map. And the, I am, I am a DM with many dice. I don't know how y'all DM, but I have like 15 sets of dice. Oh yeah. Me. No, no. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. I've never DM'd. Oh, sorry. 
it's been years since I've had fewer than like eight sets in front yeah. of me while yeah. DMing. <laughs> yeah. I, and I'm, everyone makes fun of me, but I'm like, guys, I'm having to roll like in this orcish onslaught they're playing right now. I'm having to roll for like eight characters. And I'm like, sure. it's easier to just roll it all at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. So. Eight, eight different colors or, or types yep. of, you know, color configurations of die. I just roll mm-hmm. all the D20, all the damage all at once. I'm like, all right, that guy hits you for six. This guy hits you for nothing. Yeah. You know, rah. Exactly. With, with 10 players, they all only have, most of them only have one set of dice. And so now that they're, I think we're at level, in between level 9 and level 12 for most Ooh, of the players. This is a fighting. big, this is a high level crew then. Yeah, I mean, mid level is, is like, that's D&D yeah. in its stride. Like, that's We've been really playing good. for a year. They started at uh, either one or three. I can't remember where we started, but they've worked their way up. But now they need. 46 is 3d12s so yeah. i'm i'm throwing dice at them across oh, yeah. the table so. wow how how does yeah. that even happen this sounds so incredibly good i just a year everybody's there you know do you have managers involved cuz i'm just now thinking job longevity you get a boss involved and that way no one gets fired in the group because he's like mm, we can't do without our bard <laughs> well the we bard is kind of expendable rich. but <laughs> so the way that i run the game we don't have any management in the group i wish we did we did actually have a guy so we have a new uh developer who just came on and they always work super late i don't know how any other company's developers are but ours come in at noon and stay till 10 but they he came walking by and just like slowly opened the door and was like hi uh what edition are y'all playing? And I was like, this guy D and D. Yeah, <laughs> it's like in a uh, what was that? Was that show? Uh, this guy fucks. Um, oh, Silicon yeah. Valley. <laughs> Silicon yeah. Valley, just like Silicon Valley. This guy D and Yeah, exactly. But we we have a new COO who just started and backtracks. So this makes more sense. Not all ten players come every week. The, the benefit of having so many players is that every week I schedule, we pick a day, majority wins, and I have given them a bag of holding with an atmosphere. So guess what? You're in the bag. So <laughs> This is critical for any game that's going to last a real long time with fluid attendance. You have yeah. to have a method to park a player character mm-hmm. until they can come back in. Yeah. And, dude, bag of holding with atmosphere or the, um, oh... Mordenkainen's mansion or whatever, like yep. all those things. Exactly. So when all 10 players are there, we we go in the big, the biggest conference room in our office and all of our conference rooms are surrounded by glass, except for the wall that the TV's on. So the COO a couple of weeks ago, when we were all playing together, walked by and we have, I mean, the nurses who just started playing with us from our nursing team, they bake cakes, they oh, make cookies. What? And so we've got food, we all order food together. So we're having like a buffet in there while we're all playing. So the COO was about to leave. He walked in and he's like, it's after hours. What is happening in here? And we're like, oh, it's D&D night. And he like, I can't tell if he's like excited about it or if he's like these nerds. Because last session he walked by and just kept like smiling at us. And I couldn't tell. Mm-hmm. I couldn't read it. Um, mm-hmm. How he felt about it. But yeah, so. There's got to be there's got to be like a C, a C level handbook out there that's like, you're allowed to enjoy that your employees are doing fun things, but you can't mm-hmm. have fun with them. Right. You know, because like you don't there's there are some barriers you don't really want to like break, especially if you're at that level. I hope that that's what's going through your CEO, your COO's head is like, oh, that's really cool. I love that. I can't join them, but I love that they're doing it. Yeah, because if Dave rolls a one on that big time roll that we need to make to kill the dragon, I got to let Dave go. 
yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, w- I wish some of the upper management would be a little bit more interested in it, but I think it's just an age thing. They just don't get it, but that's fine. I don't I don't see any problem with that. I mean, I describe it to everyone as team building. My manager kind of goes, sure it is. And I'm like, no, but for real, it is. Like, Yeah, yeah, you guys are tight. Yeah, we're, we're, and especially a lot of them are on the same team, the illustrators. So they are, you know, doing a lot of team building together, creative problem solving. Last night, you know, I just put a timer up on the TV and everyone goes, what's that? And I was like, you have 15 minutes till the orcs get here, figure out what you're going to do. I mean, and they scrambled immediately. Oh, and it fun. Was, yeah. So it was a lot of, a lot of creative problem solving. I mean, I try to, to, to emphasize this to anyone at the office that asks about it, that, it, it yes, it is a game. Yes, it's D and D. Yes, we're rolling dice, and it's nerdy as hell. But I mean, this is applicable for team building for work. I mean, we are a very close knit group of friends now. We come to each other for all kinds of work related stuff now because of the amount of team building that we've done together. I mean, we play every week and half for over a year now. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's some really tight camaraderie. And the fact that you guys have been able to maintain it. Mm-hmm. is really interesting. I was, I was curious about the manager thing. I was curious about the, the upper level thing because, you know, sometimes bridging those barriers between friends and gamers and, and bosses can be really tough. Yes. And it sounds like the way that you guys have handled it anyways is just everybody's a line worker. Nobody's a boss of anybody at the table. Yeah, we um, have a flat management style. So anyone that's not a manager is flatly equal. So Nice. Yeah. Now, yeah. what time do you guys get started? Because you talk about people leaving. I imagine you don't get started at four in the afternoon. This is like a five, six o'clock. And this is the, you know, the sea level pulling in some extra hours. Everyone knows when it's game day that we try to get everyone into the room by five. Some people will come in 515, but 530 is usually our hard start time. Just that way it gives people they need to finish something up. If, you know, I've had times where they everyone's ready to go and my manager's over talking to me. And I'm like, give me a second. Like, I have to actually finish work before we can start playing. Yeah. Well, and I think having that hard start time is critical because otherwise people are like, well, let me just finish up this project. Yeah. That's going to be another two hours. And then yeah. you guys all sit around and wait for me. Yep. Um, I mean, I've had people work while we're playing games. Yesterday, one of the oh, illustrators man. was working on a freelance project. So she brought her laptop in with her and was just working in between battle. I was going to ask you, like, how do you handle distraction? Because at, at my table, I don't allow computers. Ooh. It's all handwritten stuff. You know, like, I want my players in because I've had some bad experiences in the past. But you sure. are in this other, ex- Dave, other world where it's like, mean. Ah. I just kept playing on Tinder all night. No. I mean, you can tell the truth. <laughs> <laughs> but how do, you, how do you balance that? Like, how do you set that expectation? What are the barriers there? And, and what works for you and your group? Because I think that anybody who's interested in starting a game at work has to be realistic about... You know, you're still at, you're still in your workplace yeah. or work yeah. with work could people. Walk in so and be like, dude, I need this. Yeah, yeah. Um, it is difficult. I will say, in the beginning, we had some challenges just because we've become a very good good group of friends through this. There was a lot of goofing off. There was a lot of playing on phones. There was a lot of you know. I would go to to figure something out in a book and I look up and they're all watching a YouTube video together, you know? <laughs> so it, it gets tricky because I, I can't restrict technology because we are in the workplace. So if somebody mm-hmm. needs to use their computer, I have considered putting a, a phone ban up, but I don't want to, I'm trying not to be that DM right now just because 
we've done it for a year. I've started implementing things like I recently bought initiative tents to go over the DM screen, which have worked really well for people to keep track because I was using the dry erase board, but it's not as personalized. They get to fill out their card. They get to draw a little character on it. So they, it feels a little bit more personalized. Doing initiative, I always make sure to let the person who's coming up after the person whose turns it is to say, hey, you're up next so they can start getting back in the zone like i did that a lot with our player last night who while she was working because she was trying to finish up a freelance project i would let her know when her turn was coming up but it is hard i've had people that have had to leave because of work-related stuff i've had to stop because i'm i'm on damage control if social media stuff happens so we've had to pause games before but that's that's just kind of the 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 give and take that you that you have to do when you're, you're playing at work that's really that's really interesting and and i think it's cool that um, it helps that you also have your own interruptions, yeah. you know, cause like when it's always like one player that keeps having interruptions, it's real easy to like kind of wall that player off and be like, all right, well, Eric keeps fucking up. Mm-hmm. Um, but when it's a, a, you know, around the table, everybody has these challenges. Yes. It makes it so that, okay, well, this isn't something that is a problem with that person. It's an aspect of the game that we need to communally address. Um, and, and we we do big breaks too. We usually have an intermission so people can get up. One of the illustrators is an animator, so he's always rendering during D and D, so he can get up and go check on his renders, make sure things are working correctly. That's fun. So I, I try to make sure that there's a good gap. That way, people have time to breathe, and and if they're doing work related things, they can make sure they're checking on it. A typical D and D night at work is at a four hour session, a five hour session with a break halfway um, through, a couple of breaks. How do you how do you structure the night? So we usually start around 5.30. We usually get into the meat of the game around 6. Usually there's a lot of recapping. Our major note taker, she usually does the minutes of the last game just because we have a lot of people that come in and out because of their schedule. They're not able to come every week. How cool. Um, Yeah, she's an amazing note taker. And yeah, um, her name is Megan. And in my games now, I'm like, I'm going to be the Megan of this game so I can take notes because she does a great job with it. So, so usually we play until nine. I try not to go past nine just because we don't usually play on Fridays. It's usually during a weekday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So I don't want people to have to stay out too late. Some of our players, I mean, we're in Dallas and some people live in Fort Worth, if that makes sense geographically for people. So they've got to drive. So they got like another hour or something. Yeah. Yeah. So like if you're, if you're not from the DFW Metroplex, which most of our listeners aren't, you know, these are two sister cities that are about an hour away downtown to downtown when there's no traffic. But when yeah. there's traffic, it's a hour and a half, two hour trek. And, yeah. you know, opposite end of Dallas to opposite end of Fort Worth, you might as well just camp out halfway through. Exactly. So I try not to go past nine. So we, I, I three hours is usually what we do. And I've also built the game. Uh, this is actually tonight or last night was the first time a game has stopped mid battle. That's never happened wow, before because job. I try to, sh- I try to, <laughs> well, I try to structure encounters and and any sort of RP session to have a hard stop. That way, we can we're not having to pick back up a week later because we're. If I were playing at home, I would just leave the battle map out. You know what I mean? I would just not deal with it. Just leave it in where it needs to be. We can come back to it next week. Here, I ha- we have to clean up the office, uh, the conference room right completely. Okay. So we have to do a hard hard stop. I took so many pictures of the map last night being like, okay, I just need to make sure I know where everybody is in the structure because we've never done that before. Uh, you just have to sh- structure shorter encounters if you can. You walked into my next kind of question at one point, which was going to be, what is your after game etiquette? 
you know, when you play at people's homes, there's an etiquette. When you play in a basement, as you mentioned, you might just you might just leave the maps out and everybody just kind of hey grab your coke can and uh, get out of here. How is your how is your end of game etiquette? Um, I'm the last one to leave every night uh, when we play because we have to make sure that the conference room is left as we found it, completely clean. All of our food needs to be cleaned. We have to scrub down the tables, scrub down the dry erase boards. I bring a bunch of crap with me, all my books, so I have to pack up a lot. Most people are very good at helping in the group, so making sure the chairs look nice, logging out of the computers, making sure we didn't leave last night, like the Battle of Hell was deep playing on the TV still. Um, so, so, um, so the idea that this is a privilege to have this space and you yes. guys are trying to be very good stewards of that privilege. Exactly. Ooh, we don't word. want um, there to be any any sort of misconception with HR that we're abusing the conference rooms that we're using because our CEO has made it very clear of how expensive the tables were that are in those rooms. Yeah. Yeah, I was I was thinking like, man, they got whiteboards, they got these glass tables, they got projectors. Projectors don't last forever. TVs have a burn yep. rate, you know. Like, yeah. all right, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's really cool that it's like at the end of it, you kind of take it on yourself to be the marshal of that to say, yep, I'm going to make sure that everything is right mm-hmm. before I walk out of this room. I, I think the the other thing that I wanted to really get a sense here is during the workday, how does the game filter into the work day because you're spending all your time with your players mm-hmm. and if you guys have a particularly good session or a particularly bad session what is the work life work game impact there um we have a slack channel that's specific for D uh related stuff oh, so that's where a lot of players will communicate because i our my department uses slack for work so i just built one for our D group so we can communicate D related stuff a lot of it is um We've never really had terribly bad experiences. All of the players that started the game are still there. Only one character has died, and that has been um, a, something that a the player asked me to do. She wanted oh, to wow. roll a new character, so we did a murder. <laughs> Bunch of murder hobos took care of her Though, character. <laughs> well, no, that they tried to fight the big bad, and I told them they weren't ready. And guess what? player died ah that's see that's cool that's a cool like plot way of like i want to get rid of my character well you guys keep poking this bear bear is gonna swipe you bear's (laughs) gonna drain all your essence in a giant crystal and you're gonna turn into a husk (laughs) (laughs) oh to any of my players that are listening y'all are doing a great job be nice to each other i love you all no, what you do now is right now build in a code word that gives them like an extra hit point or gives them an extra thing that if they yell this code word out during a game, they can get that benefit. That way, that way you know they listened. Otherwise, they just listen to the beginning and they go, oh, Mitch, you sounded so good on there. You talked about the code so, word. Funny you said that because I recently sent out a very, very long email to all my players, which terrified them when they saw how long it was. But it was more of a rules management email saying I, I wanted to make sure flanking was a thing now. Um, we had never really done it before, so I wanted to incorporate it. Ritual casting was a thing that my players didn't really mm. do, so I wanted to just go over it again. It was basically just a rules refresh and figuring out some minutia. But at the very bottom of the email, I think they all forgot about this. I gave them like basically a luck point to re-roll a, if, if they read it. <laughs> I, like I hope that. they remember because they have that. And I usually award like 10 XP to, you know, for being good i don't do inspiration as much because we have a bard and a druid that do it a lot so. and it's funny yeah, the bard say, like, takes they're... care of business doesn't it <laughs> <laughs> takes away one of your dm rewards is what it does and you have True. to go and make up new ones like 
extra XP or an extra roll or yeah. that kind of thing. Any big pitfalls or problem areas or, or things like someone who wants to start a game at their workplace, mm-hmm. what are some of the things to be very mindful of or trappings that you have found in doing this for the last year? Mm-hmm. I think the main thing is that you need to find a group of coworkers that you vibe well with. We ha- another coworker who's no longer with our company had started a D&D night and the group didn't really vibe well together. So it didn't it, it never really took off and that it was at his place and no one really knew each other that well. So, you know, if they know how to play that makes it a lot easier, but you need to try to figure out with players who are established what type of game do they want to play? Do they want to know if they are encumbered with how much they're carrying? Okay, well, may not be great with people who are just starting out in the game. Like you you need to make sure that the the group is going to jive well together. And I think there's another piece in there that that we could tease out is, you know, when you start a game with coworkers, making sure that you're in a place where everybody's comfortable. Mm -hmm. Because playing at work, everybody knows work. It's a well-lit, safe place. The parking lot is probably well-lit at night. Yep. And you all leave together as a group. Yep. Going to a secondary location like a gaming store, probably fine. But not everybody has ever experienced gaming stores, or if they have, maybe they didn't have great experiences. Exactly. Dude. And then you go further to some dude's house, and it's like, well, Ooh. do I really want to be in this guy's house? Ooh. You know? Yeah. Like, there's, and I know that, you know, people host all the time. I host in my house all the time. Like, obviously, it's fine, but there is. You know, be aware that you are changing things when you say, all right, I want a game at work is different than I want a game at a store, different further than I want a game at a, at a co-worker's home. Did, exactly. did you talk to HR? I think you mentioned HR. And for all those not living in the great corporate culture, human resources <laughs> is who I'm talking right. about. Did you go by and get approval from them? How did that work? And if you're working in the public sector, it might be facilities because you have to get the janitor team on your side to let you keep the room after hours, that kind of thing. So, yeah, how did did you negotiate that and how did you do it? I'm a member of the social committee at my job. Um, So I help run social events and creating social events. So when I asked to do a game night, it seems like a no brainer. Like we were at that point in the company, we were throwing everything at the wall to kind of figure things out. We were growing very quickly. We were running out of space. That's why we moved to a new office. So we were trying to bring a lot of new people into our company culture, which had always been really close knit. It was a very small company to start with. We were just doing a lot of different things. So when I suggested a board game night, it was kind of, I mean, it's very easy, I think, to start a board game night at your company. Everyone knows board games. I mean, again, don't bring Terra Mystica with you, you know, on the first night, you know, (laughs) start with some good party games. And don't bring the erotic dice, you know, like, (laughs) yeah, leave the not safe for work copy of Exploding Kins at home. Like, right, right. (laughs) But, but the great thing about board game night for a company is it's free to the company. Yep. All it does is cost them the space that's sitting there anyways. They they have to leave the air conditioner running all night as is because those corporate air conditioners, they don't like cool the place. They just keep it at whatever temperature. Yes. So they're running all the time anyways. Dude, board game night is, is brilliant for a company. And yeah. good on you to parlay that. Hey, board game night, I get easy buy in there. Now it's longer. It's longer. Now we're playing D&D. You know, like I think that is a phenomenal progression. Yeah. It worked out really well, and we had a whole new new uh, department startup, and they 
started suggesting board game night. And I was like, well, actually, we, we were already doing that before you guys started. So let's bring it back. Yeah, absolutely. Let's do it. And so once the departments kind of started to intermingle, the group that is in my D&D group now started to find each other and realize, hey, I think we're all a bunch of big fat nerds. Let's play D&D together. Yeah. So C-level people listening to this podcast, take note. If you don't like all your employees being siloed into different groups, do a board game night. Yes. Get your nerds together and they will cross barriers and they will make teams work better together because they know each other now and they can open that line of communication. Absolutely. The people I play with now are, are some of my best friends in real life now. Like we have all grown very, very close with one another. The only thing that I wish I could do now is invite more people. Like I said, we had a guy poke his head in who's brand new who was like, what addition? Obviously this dude D&Ds and right. he's excited that it's happening at the company. I have 10 people in my game. I don't know how to bring other people in. It's going to make things very, oh, very difficult. Dude, dude, you are in a phenomenal position because now you have West March's style that you could play or multiple DMs. Which is a thing I've thought about. I've thought about splitting the party. That way more people can come in. But I've also thought of starting another campaign with people that are interested. Oh, yeah. And maybe bring a couple players in that are willing to kind of help foster that dynamic that we already have yeah and see how it works out the world i made is i've got so much more to explore in it so i am right. i'm more than happy to run another game but it's just finding the time because i do travel a lot <laughs> yeah i was about to say like you are a busy person and travel yeah. is a thing for you but you know running two different games in the same world at the same time is completely doable Yep. I did that with our L5R game. We had we yes. had two different parties of five running in different directions. You guys were passing notes to one another mm -hmm. in like slow time because it was L5R uh, or Legend of the Five Rings. So like a courier had to run the note. And so that yes. meant I had a couple of weeks of planning before the note arrived, <laughs> which right. was good. Definitely, you know, if your game gets huge like yours is and there's more people who want to join, there's, there's vehicles, there's ways of making that happen. But I think it's a cool problem that you have. You know, you've now it's grown to the problem. point of you want to keep growing, but you have scale issues. It's a super great. I, I want to start figuring out what I can do because I do have two people who have asked me if they can just come watch, just spectate because they mm. want to, they've never played D&D, &D, but they are interested, but they don't mm. know what it requires of them. So they just want to come watch, which I'm always happy to do. But yeah. Uh, so yeah, scalability issues are, are not the worst. I, I feel my experience of running a game at work has been, has gone as best as could possibly go. I have great facilities. I have great support with people at work. No one has told us no. So that's been great. And, and that's always the threat. Right. The days yeah. somebody says no, it's like, all right, existential crisis. What do we do? Do you guys have a backup? Do you guys have like in in your mind's like eye like you uh, can go to or something like that? Like a game store <laughs> yeah. or some other location that you think would be appropriate. I have always said because there's also the threat of someone could get another job. Yep. Someone could get fired. That's a thing that could happen. I mean, I don't want my, I don't think any of my friends are going to get fired. My company is great, so I hope they don't. But there is the chance that someone gets an opportunity to move onto something else. And I have always said to everyone that's in my game that if something happens to our group, if they leave, you know, I'm willing to open up my home. I am willing to start playing at a store. I'm willing to find us a space that works for us, that can fit us all, that's close by the office, that we continue to play. You know, in the beginning, I probably wouldn't have done that, but because we become so close during the yeah. process of playing together, I would move it out of the office if need be. Yeah. This specific campaign, of course, once that campaign ends, 
who knows what would happen um, right. if they were no longer with the company. But as of right now, I would not want any of my players to have to sacrifice leaving the company for a better opportunity just because of D&D. Right. Yeah, that would be totally inappropriate. So we've got to exactly. make sure that D&D fits their life, not the other way around. <laughs> yes. And and life comes first. And I've told all my players that if you had a bad day at work and you really don't want to be at the office anymore, go. Just let yeah. me know. Just tell yeah. me before the game starts. That way I'm not preparing things for your character. Because there, you can have a day at the office where it comes four o'clock something shitty happens and you're like, fuck this, I'm going home, yep. you know, mm-hmm. but now you have D and D and you're in a shitty mood and you've had a bad day. What do you do? You go home. Like right. D and D does not take precedent over your mind. You make lives. your DMS life hell by disagreeing <laughs> with every single thing they do and going all the wrong ways. Questioning every rules decision. <laughs> I usually, if someone had a bad day because we, you know, talk at work because we're all good friends. If they've had a bad day, I'm like, do you need to murder something? I can make something that you can murder in the game. Yeah, so, that's awesome. That's a yeah. that's a really cool service you provide. Yes. <laughs> do you need punching bags? Murder. I have punching bags. I can throw at you guys. And you Therapeutic fantasy murder. Yeah. <laughs> murder. I think that's the title of this episode: is therapeutic <laughs> fantasy murder. D&D in the workplace. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Awesome. Um, Well, those are really my big questions. I got one more. Rich, did you have something? Mitch, are you you a con goer? What's your background? I am. I started going to anime conventions in 2006. And then at my second convention, met my now husband, who I've been with ever since. That is how I met David. Yeah. And his lovely wife. Yeah. And our circle God, of friends. That was A-Fest? Probably. Look I have that. no idea. Dude, A-Fest and Akon are so are so formidable. Anime <laughs> or, Fest or formidable. was my favorite of the two, if I had to pick yeah. one. Me too. I liked it the best. Yeah, yeah Anime Fest is so good. But I did anime conventions for a good number of years, and then real life took precedent because cons are expensive. And I had made my circle of friends and was like, sweet, well, I'm good. I don't really need to go to cons anymore. I have the people I need. Well, cool. I have no other questions. Do you have any other like parting wisdom or thoughts around running a game at work that we haven't covered already? Start small. Don't try to go out, you know, huge in the beginning. The chances are you're going to start with new people. Um, it is it is hard to find D&D people in the workplace. They exist, but they are not vocal about it. And the people who are interested will likely have never played before. So start small. Do you know, a couple of sessions to teach them how to play the game. It's yeah. it's rough. And start with board game night. I mean, if, if D&D at the office with 10 people is your dream, bring Betrayal up to the office and just see where it goes from there. See who's interested. See who gets into character. See who is looking at the mechanics and, and is interested in it. Because that's really going to give you the tell of who is going to be interested in playing D&D. Yeah. Yeah. That is a phenomenal wisdom. So... I think with that, Mitch, we're probably going to wrap this up. Is there, are you like on the socials and want people to be able to find you? Or I, I am on the interwebs. You can, I do. I am on Twitter at cool kid, Mitch and on Tumblr at cool kid, Mitch. And that's all the socials I'm giving you. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, awesome. Mitch, dude, thanks so much for coming on, man. I'm so glad we could finally make this episode happen. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah. Uh, For all that, everyone at home, thanks a ton for listening. As always, have fun and play well. May all your roles be crits. 
Thanks for listening. This episode was produced by me, David Gillespie, with music provided by Taylor Guillory. Our web presence is managed by Amy Nelson. And if you like our style, please leave a review for us on iTunes. It's the best way to help people find us. Most importantly, though, feel welcome to connect with us on Twitter, our Facebook group, Discord server, our Friday night Twitch streams, and our website, all under the name High Shelf Gaming. We really look forward to talking and playing games with you. Thank you.